Hey, dealmakers, welcome to the show where it's all about financial freedom with real estate. I'm your host, Garrett Lynch. And as always, get ready to own it. You're listening to the Financial Freedom with Real Estate Investing podcast, hosted by Garrett Lynch and Michael Blanc, where we talk all about how you can achieve financial independence through apartment building investing. Whether you're just starting out or you want to scale your syndication business, this is the show for you. This is the show for you. Now, today we're going to talk about a few fun things that I'm going to, I wanted to bring this back to you guys. We'll get into it in a bit. But before we get into it, I wanted to say if you guys are interested in investing passively into multifamily real estate, you want it to be completely hands off, you want to get checks in the mail and you want to get reports sent out to you about the performance, basically never have to touch a toilet, do anything with a property, you can invest alongside the pros, which is us at nighthawkequity.com. Click on the join button to join the investor club, set up a call with David and see if you qualify to come and invest alongside us in some of these bigger apartment deals, which is pretty exciting. So with that, let's get into our episode. Back by popular demand, I'm going to be sharing with you a few more of my crazy stories from my experience owning D-class properties in the hood. So I know this, I got a lot of feedback from this last time. People were just really intrigued by it. So we're going we're gonna to run it back with a couple more. I've got pretty much unlimited stories about things that happened down there that were crazy. And so I'm going to tell you a few notable ones. So I'll start out when, when I first got down to the, the South side of Chicago. And just to recap, for those of you that didn't hear the first episode, I've owned hundreds of properties on the South and West side of Chicago, which are notoriously some of the worst places you could have. And not just that, I've had a ton of C-class apartments with a lot of stories. But anyways, getting into it, when I first went down to the South side, I didn't really know what to expect. I was like, I'm just going to try to dress and act the part and, and see if that flies. And we had, we just had purchased, you know, portfolio properties and I had to go check on this three flat that we had down there. And so it needed new keys. So I was going to rekey that. And what happened was we went, I went down there. I so I was like, okay, what do I need to look like to be down in the, in this area? I was driving a, a red Chevy Impala, 2004 red Chevy Impala with I bought this really puffy black coat and a flat build hat and some jeans and a t-shirt and and I was going to in some gym shoes and I was like that that was going to be my outfit. So I, I get out of my car, I park, I see that there's a hardware store across the street. To get to the hardware store in this bad area of the south side, I had to go over to this corner and cross the street. On that corner was a liquor store and there are a lot of people hanging outside. So I, I parked my car and I go up to this corner and as I'm approaching it, I'm getting stared down real hard by the people standing outside. I mean, they were giving me the look like they want to kill me or I don't know what it was. It was not, it was kind of scary for one of my, my first few times being down there. So I'm, I'm just thinking in my head, I'm like, all right, you, you, what happens is your kind of fight or flight kicks in. It's almost like survival. You're like, all right, I, if I got to, something goes down, what am I doing? You know, I don't know. And so I just kept the straight face. I walked across the street to the hardware store. While I'm in the hardware store, I'm thinking, I'm like, what can I do to, to just 
keep myself safe in this in this instance. So I'm just thinking, I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna buy an axe. And I had this idea. So I went and I picked up an axe. I brought it up. I got the keys made, checked out. I don't put the axe in the bag. I hold the axe in my right hand and I walk out of the hardware. So it's like a hand axe. It's like a little bit of a bigger hand axe that you'd buy at like a hardware store. And it's just, I'm just holding on to it. And as I'm walking straight across the street, towards that liquor store where the people are starting to start staring at me again. I'm looking them dead in the eyes while I hold this ax in my hand and I'm, I'm walking right towards them. And I don't break eye contact with one of the guys and I just keep walking directly at them and everyone else is looking at me like I'm, like I'm crazy. And, everyone, and pretty soon they start breaking eye contact with me and they start stepping back. Now, you can't bring an, uh, a knife to a gunfight, obviously, but they just thought I was a crazy guy. They're like, who is this crazy person? And so they all kind of backed off and backed off. And I just walked to my car, put the axe in, and then drove off. And from then on, you couldn't really have a gun back then. It was tough in Chicago. They didn't really have a good way to do concealed carry. It was just kind of, you had to like put a gun in a case and then have it in your glove. Didn't make a lot of sense. And I didn't really, you know, have a way to, I, I was worried about having that. So I just, I just never got one, but I was like, all right, I need something. So that ax was now my kind of my weapon that I had on me pretty much at all times. It was kept in the trunk. And if I had to go in and, and check out a property or do something, I typically would bring that with. Now, obviously you want to be careful. You're not, you don't want to insinuate that or, or kind of induce somebody to react to you. So you had to bring it in. It was like, if I'm going to a building by myself or something like that, I'd bring that ax for protection, which is still kind of silly in general, because it's not going to work against the gun, but it was something for me at least to have, you know, a means of protection in some way, but that's how I acquired it. It stuck with me for years. <laughs> that was the, the way that I, I kind of helped protect myself. So never had to use it, which is a good thing, but, but it was there. So. I'm going to tell you another, this is a crazy story that happened that, you know, this is just part of the circumstances. Obviously, looking back on it, it's not something that I that I think I agree with and I, I wouldn't do today, obviously, but it's something that was a reality back then. And so the, one of the big realities of, of working in the South and West Side is that when you own property down there, the copper gets stolen out of your, your buildings if you leave them vacant. So without protection. So what happens is people will break in, they know it's vacant, they break in, they'll strip all the copper out of the walls. They do that so that it'll be like, you know, $10,000, worth of damage so that they can get two to 300 bucks worth of recycling. Or I'm sorry. Yeah. They, so they would take it over to like the metal plant and then they would get, you know, whatever, a couple hundred bucks for it. That was a scam back then that, that these guys would do that. It's crazy how much work they would go through doing to steal this copper to get a couple hundred bucks and it destroys your whole property. This happened all the time. So one of the properties we had got hit and they stole the copper and it was a big, whole big thing. And I remember it wasn't enough for us to really claim, but it was just enough for us to pay. And we had to come out of pocket and it was like 15 grand. It was, it's crazy. So we had to repipe this whole place. So I had this contractor down there and the contractor was a Hispanic guy and he was, you know, he had a method for doing this. I'm like, listen, I need to rehab this now that, that this all happened. How are we going to rehab this building? Because I know they'll come back and steal the copper 
potentially while it's vacant, what are you going to do to protect the money that we're about to spend to rehab this? So he looked at me and he said, listen, man, I have, I have a way. This is what we're going to do. He's like, I am going to, we're going to rehab this. It needs, you know, a bunch of new stuff. It needs new HVAC and these other things. Rehab this unit as we're doing it. When we leave, I've got these dogs. I was like, okay, cool. He's like, yeah, these dogs, they don't have any vocal cords. So they had a surgery to cut out their vocal cords so they couldn't bark. So if someone breaks in, this dog will get them and chase them into a bathroom or a closet. And then, because they don't bark, and then that person will be stuck there. And then we can call the cops and come get them. I was like, okay, that's really crazy. But we got to do what we got to do, I guess, because we need to rehab this and I don't, I don't trust it. So yeah, we did it. We put, the, we put the dog in there and we actually had somebody break in a window while the dog was there. And I guess, I guess he got halfway in the window and the dog ran up on him and he fell out the back and then just kept going or something like that. But he didn't make it inside. So the dog stopped it. So it didn't quite work exactly, but I guess it, it does work like that where they, they run. Imagine guy just being stuck in a bathroom or a closet because his dog's ripping him up and then the cops get called. So I guess they've, they've done that before. They've caught people. Other ways that we would have security, we have these pepper blasters, like doors, springs. So like if someone would open a door, it would blast them with pepper spray. If they tried to break in that way and also windows, we had these simply safe alarms that we would put in, we we had one pepper thing blast someone one time. We had these simply safe alarms were really good. Those were like one of the the better technologies at the time. So you could put them on the windows. That's where a lot of people were coming through the windows to break in. And then you just hear the alarms going off like like on like a Saturday night at like one in the morning. They go really loud and then they record everything that's going on inside. We've we've caught we caught people that way before breaking in it and they, so it warns them and then they they have to get out obviously with with all the the loud noises and stuff like that so break-ins were just a common occurrence you had to have a way to combat that or else your whole property would get destroyed and that that was just, again it was like a common thing that happened down there so we had different ways of, of dealing with that and then until you actually got the resident in you're always at risk because even if even a couple of days if you let it vacate They'll just come and rip everything out, even not just the copper, other things too. They rip out countertops, cabinets. It's wild. It's like the Wild West out there. Life in the South Side and West Side is very cheap. You can get killed over a lawnmower, taking a lawnmower. You like things like that. It's just a weird place to be for that reason. Like, man, I can't even imagine like losing my life over over something silly. That's silly, and that's what exists down there. So going along that, that kind of path, I'm going to tell you about a time where I was forced to do something to save my property and to save my, my property manager. And I alluded to this property before. There were a lot of stories that happened around this specific property. It was a 50 unit on the South side called, we called it Amityville. And it was the, the property that had just full of drug dealers, prostitutes, and pimps, basically is what it was. So... This building was just a, a nightmare to own. And I remember one time there was this maintenance guy that we hired and he wasn't doing his job well. He was taking off too much. So we fired him. And on the way out, he stole a bunch of stuff. And then he 
he stole our lawnmower. So, you know, I was trying to, I was trying to be the tough landlord at the time. And I called him up and I'm like, Hey, you return that lawnmower right now. Or we have an issue. Yeah. That's what I said to him. I'm like, you, you need to return that. I know you took it. You need to return it. I didn't, I didn't I'm like, I know you did it better be there in, tomorrow. Better be back tomorrow. Or we have an issue. I hung up the phone. So the next day there was a bunch of people later towards, towards the afternoon on the, the street corner. And I got a call from my property manager who was working in the office there. And she goes, Hey, there's guys here. I don't recognize. It's like, I'm, I'm from around here. I know these guys don't, don't belong here. I don't know where they came from, but they don't look like they're with anyone I know around here. And this was like a GD block. So this is a gangster's disciples block that we were on. And these guys were some from, from some other rival gang that didn't belong. So she was nervous. So she's like, I'm going to call my boyfriend. He's a security officer. He's going to come. He's got a gun. He's, he can carry. He's going to take me out of here tonight. But, but I'm just letting you know, these guys shouldn't be here. I'm like, okay, we'll call me and make sure. So sure enough, her boyfriend comes, takes her out. And as she was leaving, she's pregnant actually at the time. She's like, like seven months pregnant. It's probably really tough, tough lady, awesome manager, but you know, she, she worked really well for us. So she, this guy comes out and, you know, her boyfriend takes her out of the building as, as they're doing it. She can see those guys get closer to her, but then they kind of back off when they see this guy's gun. So she calls me in a panic at like 7 PM. And it's like, Hey, those guys came up to me they saw who I was with and they did end up backing off. But I think we got a big problem. I don't know what this is. I don't know if I had to deal with the maintenance guy we fired or whatever, but this could be an issue. I'm like, okay. It could be. So let's just see if they're back tomorrow. So she goes to work and those same guys are back. So I'm not really sure what to do. So I actually drive down there and I see these guys hanging out and they're, they're mean looking. So, I, so I'm, I'm like, you know, worried. So I'm like, Hey, listen. So there was one guy I knew that lived in the building and it's like, Hey man, I don't know if you know these guys. And he's like, I think he's like, I know, I know who you roll with. You know, and he he ran with the GDs at the time. I'm like, here's some money for protection. I need you to bring some some guys over here to hang out and watch watch this. This my manager over here is not feeling safe, and I need you to protect this this building. So he did that. He brought he brought his guys over. So I basically paid the member of this gang to bring other gang members over to keep our building protected. Because I didn't really know what else to do. This was like street stuff, man. Like I, I was like, all right, this this makes sense business wise to keep this thing, keep her safe, keep things running. Let's see if I can get some protection over here. You're not calling cops to come do this stuff. That's they're not. They don't care about that. They have too many other things going on that actually require their attention, and they're spread thin. You can't just like have cops come help you like that as easily. So I went to the gang. I got help from the gang, and that that was it for for a minute. So these guys kind of waned off, but then the next day. They came back with even more people and this started to get really scary and dangerous. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to, I don't want to like induce a gang war over here. This, that would be too much. So what am I going to do? Okay. Well, let me call this guy up. Maybe it has something to do with the maintenance guy. Let's see what he has to say. So I call him up and I go, Hey man, listen, I don't know what you're doing over here. If you're trying to plot some kind of violence towards my manager or what, or what's going on, but we got to stop this. This is getting too out of hand. He's like, he's like, yeah, you know, he's like that bitch. She's the one that told on me. I know she ratted me out. Like all this, like starts going nuts. And I knew it was him right away. I'm like, okay, it's him. 
So I call him down. I'm like, hey, listen, buddy, here's what's going to happen. You're going to just forget about this whole thing. Take the lawnmower. I don't care about any of this stuff. I'm not coming after you. She didn't rat you out. I had someone do an inspection on the place and, and we found it. She had nothing to do with it. So we got to stop this whole thing right now. I'm going to take my guys back. You take your guys back and let's just let's just end it before someone gets hurt. So we calmed down. We hung up. Next day, those guys were gone. I had to pay my guy one more time just to, just for his help and on with our life. But it was it was escalating because I made one phone call about a stolen lawnmower. In any normal situation, except for where we were, that person might have been scared, might have returned it, something like that. Because of we were there and life is so cheap, became a very dangerous, potentially lethal situation over a lawnmower. So that was a lesson to me. But I, looking back at it, I'm like, man, I can't believe I had to go to those lengths to kind of keep things safe. And you know, there's there's a code down there, and you have to kind of follow it and be able to be willing to to do what it takes. And so that that was just a really kind of scary situation that we were in. Another thing that happened is we had a resident that they just moved in a house. It was a Section 8 voucher like a couple months ago. And we had a, an issue with the house. We went to check on them. And they were always a little bit, you knew that they were involved in something, but you didn't quite know what. And they just, they kind of seemed shifty and you never know who's who down there, whatever. So we we had to go and get a like there was a water leak, I guess, in the wall. So we sent our maintenance team down there. They they check on the house. These guys are like, oh yeah, yeah, come in, check on whatever the, the water leak. So they find where the water leak is, but then they they're like, okay, we have to fix another pipe down the down in the wall to get to it. So they go in the wall and they see something. My one of my maintenance guys sees something in the wall. It's like a shoestring, and it's tied all the way up to the electrical box. So he goes over to the electrical box, takes the shoestring. It's like tied kind of behind the electrical box. Starts pulling on it, and there's like a gap between that and the wall. Pulls on it, keeps pulling on it, and then from that hole that they cut, they see a shotgun barrel. It's a sawed-off shotgun in the wall. So they take the gun out. And they have to call the cops. The cops come out. They confiscate the gun. They run tests on the gun. They find fingerprints on it. It turns out it was a murder weapon. That gun had had shot and killed someone, actually, in, from a rival gang. And so my tenant is now now has charges, murder charges on him because of us. And so we're in a precarious position. Luckily, nothing ended up happening to us, but it was just by chance that we found that the guy got arrested. We had to get a new resident. It was like a whole thing. I remember there was a time when I actually posted that weapon <laughs> on Facebook and people went nuts. So one of the reasons I'm telling these stories, like, I don't know what it is, but ever since, like when I was doing this stuff, I used to post this stuff, like as things would happen, just random things like this. And people will go nuts in the comments, like, oh my God, like, that's so crazy. You know, there's, there's just like this allure to these types of environments. It's so it's so crazy. It's such a bizarre world. And I was completely comfortable after a couple of years being down there really no, really after a year, I was completely comfortable because I, I felt like I had street smarts enough to be there. And I knew that during the day, again, it wasn't really wasn't really anything to be worried about as much because most people start waking up around four. You just didn't want to be there at night. Night, it got, it got real scary. So I didn't really stick around that often at night, except one time. 
that I remember specifically, I was there at night. And there's two parts, the south side of Chicago and the west side. And the best way I can describe it is I think I think the south side generally it's more dense. It has more uh, I'm sorry, it's more spread out. It has consistent crime throughout. And you know, it has some cultural things closer to the downtown area, but but generally it's kind of all similar as far as it's different pockets and it's much bigger. Then you have the west side. West side's more condensed and it's like one straight highway that that runs east to west that goes directly into the into the west side and as you start the the parts that are closer to downtown are like they're dangerous but they're they have more of more like culture i guess like different like the shops and cool things there going on and you know they have like a botanical garden stuff like that so it's like humboldt park area as you get further west beyond that it gets really dangerous where I actually was more uneasy being on the West side. There's more drugs being run through there for whatever reason. And at least that's just what I was told. And then I, people just seem to be more willing to do crazy stuff out there, like run up on you out of nowhere. I don't know. It gave me a really uneasy feeling. And so one of the areas that one of my investors bought a building in Austin, not Austin, Texas, Austin, West side of Chicago, which is one of the more dangerous areas. So I, I had a guy that I knew and I was like, Hey man, I got to like, no one was paying rent this month. And for a brief period of time, I had to actually collect the rent on this property. This particular month, no one paid. So I had to go there and I had to catch everyone at night. And so I didn't have a choice. So I went there and I, but I was like, I need protection because this, this is really, I don't like being here at night pretty bad. So, so I called my guy up. I'm like, Hey, I need some protection I'm going to collect rent. Who you got? He's like, I got these three guys. I'll bring with. So these three guys roll up these big puffy jackets, and they're strapped, and it's probably probably illegally, <laughs> but I had protection at the time, and I was going door to door, knocking on doors, asking for rent with these guys. People were paying me, and I get outside, and and my and my guy was kind of leading it. He's like, Hey, listen, you gonna put this? He's like, Give it to me. I'm gonna put it over here. People are watching. He's like, he's like, I know that there's people on this corner that are watching. We see this guy run across the street to the other side. He's like, yo, he's like, pull back. Like he's just aware of all these. He's seeing all these things that I'm not seeing. And I was just lucky. I'm glad that I had those guys by me to protect me, essentially, because you got me running around at night, you know, 8 p.m. with a bunch of cash and envelope. And, you know, if I wasn't with anyone, I could have got rolled up on, got robbed right there. And I was terrified. So that was a really scary place to be at night. If you want to work with a full-time syndicator to help you get up to speed faster, get your first deal done this year and scale your portfolio so you can quit your job, then check out our mentoring program. It's at themichaelblank.com forward slash mentor. It's the only program out there that actually guarantees results. That's right. We actually guarantee that you do your first deal in the first year. Otherwise, we'll keep working with you. And Set up a, a strategy session call and explore whether it's right for you. It's themichaelblank.com forward slash mentor. So, you know, I, I, I left there and I, was, I, I drove a little ways and then I stopped on the side of the road just to count to make sure I had the right amount of cash and this cop pulls up right behind me. And the cop's like, hey man, rolls down the window. He's like, what are you doing here? Like real, like, wasn't, wasn't nice at all. And I'm like, Man, I own a property over there. One of my investors owns one of the properties over there. You know, I'm just here. I was collecting rent and I'm just kind of 
hanging out, making sure I got what I was supposed to. He's like, you shouldn't be around here. He's like, I would not be here right now. He's like, you need to leave. So I just, I got up, I took his advice and I just drove like the battle that those guys have to go through. It's, it's literally like a war. Like they they're dealing with, I mean, just imagine like the purge, like people just shooting guns at night, all night, every night, they have calls nonstop. They can't keep up with them. It's real, real out there. I mean, you've got, you've got gangs on every corner. They're, they're close by gangs from one rival gang across the street murders happening consistently I, you guys have probably heard of o block before it's it's o block is kind of like this famous block it's actually an apartment complex that a lot of famous rappers came from like chief keef lil dirk like those guys all came there's like there's probably like eight of them that came from this one apartment complex in chicago and because they rap about it it gets a lot of it's become famous it's like this famous they actually just got bought which is crazy. I, I mean, th- that an apartment complex could get that famous for, you know, because of the rappers. But I had a property that was only three blocks away from that one in the South Side. And that's like pretty famous. That one, you can look it up. Just Google O Block. King Vaughn, he was pretty famous and he, he actually got killed. That was, I would drive by that place. And when I started hearing it, like going around, I'm like, man, that what a what a crazy phenomenon that that's like a that's like a thing, but they they have sixty. It's as it's crazy as this. Like sixty fourth and sixty fifth are all like on the same team, and then you go across the street, and it's sixty third is literally on the kitty corner to it. They are fighting with those guys over there all the time. So there's there's gang wars about that stuff. And these guys, the funny thing is a lot of them have money, not not a ton of money, but because they're running drugs, they have like fast cash. And, and so, but they're just using it all the wrong ways. It's all, it's all from scamming. It's all from, from drugs and it's, you know, gangbanging and stuff. And so it's, it's just a completely different world out there, but I wanted to just kind of tell a few of these stories guys because i know it's interesting and i know uh you know i came from that world initially and it's just something that it's a part of my life my past obviously we moved on to bigger and better things since then but it's always cool to kind of tell those stories and, and have people hear it so thanks guys for listening and we will catch you next time thanks for listening Take the next step toward financial freedom by checking out our Freedom Vault, where you can find free resources to help you with apartment building investing. Whether you're an active investor just starting out or looking to scale your syndication business or looking to invest passively, head over to themichaelblanc.com vault to gain access to our Freedom Vault.